So you catch yourself procrastinating, you judge yourself and you feel bad and that you criticize yourself and that feeds into all those imposter syndrome thoughts. See, I'm right. I'm really not good enough. And that creates the stress that drives the behaviors. So it's this cycle you get locked into. And so you can see it logically, but you, you can't just talk yourself out. What you have to do is break the cycle and you have to break the cycle by addressing all three symptoms all at the same time. Hey there, my name is Kim and this is my podcast, Power Up Your Performance. I believe that we have the power to rewrite our stories, change the trajectory of our lives, pour love into the world, conquer monumental challenges, and that movement can be a catalyst for change. Let's grow together. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek, and I am so happy you're here with me today. This is the first of another round of about 20 interviews that I'm conducting with experts who will help you live your best life so you can achieve all that you desire in 2023 and beyond. Maybe you're feeling the winter blues. Maybe you're going through something that's just really hard. Maybe you're feeling stuck and are looking for something that will give you that extra little push. I hope these next couple of interviews, these next 20 or so, give you the sparks of energy, the ideas, the momentum to take your first steps. Change is not built in the big sweeping actions we take. We all know that. And if you've already forgotten about your New Year's resolution, you get that. Instead, change is built on the repetition of tiny little habits. If you listen to my business podcast, The Digital Dreamer, you know that we've been talking about this a lot. Before I share the interview with today's guest, I want to give you one challenge. It's one question to ask yourself each morning when you wake up. How would your life change if first thing in the morning you asked yourself this? How can I make the world a better place today? We get what we focus on. If we wake up expecting our day to be horrible, if we wake up expecting that our boss is going to tear into us, if we wake up expecting that our customer service interactions are going to suck, this is what we will see. We get what we focus on. We create the reality that we imagine. And so if we're constantly telling ourselves all these negative things, that is the reality that we're creating. So this week, I challenge you to focus on making the world better. Whose life can you touch? If you start the day with a mindset that you will serve, that you will make your mark on the world by making someone's day better, I guarantee your life will change for the better. Today's guest is Tara Holiday. Tara has been a holistic therapist and coach for over 21 years and is a specialist in imposter syndrome. She is the author of Amazon number one bestseller, Unmasking, The Coach's Guide to Imposter Syndrome. And as you'll hear later, she has several resources to help address imposter syndrome. According to some stats that I pulled from Psychology Today, research suggests that around 25 to 30% of high achievers may suffer from imposter syndrome, and around 70% of adults may experience imposter syndrome at least once in their lifetime. So even if you think this topic does not apply to you, it very well could. And it could be holding you back from greater success. So here's my interview with Tara Halliday. Welcome to the show, Tara. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Lovely to be here, Kim. Thanks for having me. 
I want to jump right in and ask you, define imposter syndrome for us. Yeah. So imposter syndrome is the secret fear of being a fraud when you're not and the fear of being found out. So it's, it's self-doubt. It's not connecting with your achievements, even though you are a high performer, you are doing well. How does somebody know the difference between having imposter syndrome and just not having the knowledge yet because they're kind of new at something? That is such a good question. Okay. All right. It's where you are in the learning cycle, if you like. So if you imagine a box and put, uh, you know, a vertical line, horizontal line, so you've got four boxes and we're going to go around from the bottom left. Bottom left is you don't know what you don't know, right? So you're a complete beginner and you don't even know what things look like, right? Uh, so that they call that unconscious incompetence, right? Okay. You don't have the skills and you've no idea you don't have the skills. Then you go up to the next, pop up to the next box, and that is conscious incompetence, which means you now know that you've got a lot to learn. You now know that you're learning, but you still haven't learned those skills. Then you go across the top to the right, and then you've got conscious competence. And that's where you've got the skills and you know it. And then you go back down the other side and your skills become unconscious. So... A lot of people think imposter syndrome is in the learning part, right? In that, in that you're just starting out in something you don't know. That's actually just the learning zone, right? And it can be a very uncomfortable place. <laughs> don't get me wrong. You're making mistakes. You, 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 you're not performing at your peak. You're slow. All, all of those things as you're learning. Imposter syndrome shows up in the top right corner in the conscious competence, right? You know that you're capable, you know that you're competent, and yet at the same time, you're not feeling it inside. At the same time, you still have this self-doubt that you're not quite good enough, even though you, you're successful and everyone else around you thinks you're brilliant. Okay. We are not born with imposter syndrome. So how does a person develop imposter syndrome over their lifetime or right. related to a skill or a job or a task? Yeah. So imposter syndrome has, has two parts. It's got the symptoms that you see, and we'll get to those in a bit. And it's got this underlying cause that you don't see. So the cause of imposter syndrome could go all the way back to childhood. It's not childhood events, right? It's not poor parenting or, or stressful childhood or anything like that. When a baby's born, their, their brain has no sense of, it can't make sense of any of the data. It's all kind of one big fuzz of information coming in. And as the brain develops, it starts to make sense, put things in categories, give things labels. And between 18 months and three years old, the brain starts to recognize, oh, I am a person. I am a separate person. So it's a separation of self, it's called. And the child goes through this, realizes they're a different person from somebody else, that they're, that they're not the same as the physical objects around them. And so they develop that. Now, at that point, what they should have learned, and I say should, is that um, their worth, who they are as a person, is separate from their actions, what they do. But most, the vast majority, like 99.99999% of people don't learn 
because it's so ingrained in our society. And it's the belief, this unconscious belief that we hold that our worth as person depends on what we do. So like if I do something good, I am good. If I do something bad, I am bad. You know, we even say to kids, good girl, good boy, when they've done something, right, their actions, and we then label them with being good. And that's the root cause of imposter syndrome, that belief that our worth is conditional. And that shows up later in adulthood as imposter syndrome, when somebody is capable, they're competent, and yet they've still got this feeling of, I'm not quite good enough. I love that because I keep running across topics where fear is kind of this underlying thing. So it's kind of a fear of not feeling like you're good enough then? It, it is. And you know what? It's, it's really, it's quite a, a primal thing because if you're a, um, uh, a baby, for example, right, you are totally dependent on your caretakers, right, completely. And so there is this really quite, again, this, this primal thing that if you are rejected somehow, if you are not cared for, if you are not found worthy, right, then you might be rejected, you might be not cared for, and ultimately you might die, right? So this is, you're talking about the fear. So it, it taps into this primal fear response. And then it has this ancient tribal echo, right? When, when tribes were in the in the jungle and they had to live together to survive and if you weren't found worthy if you were rejected and thrown out of the tribe then you're not going to last very long by yourself so we've got these two really quite fundamental primal things that saying i must be good enough so that i won't be rejected so that i won't die so yeah it comes down to a really really strong but unconscious fear yeah Okay, so I saw on your Facebook page, I think, where somewhere you said that affirmations don't work. So is this why affirmations don't work? Because it's like such a deep-rooted primal thing? That's exactly it. Because we're, we're looking at, it's, a, a, it's at the belief level. It's a belief that my worth depends on what I do. My identity, who I am, and my, my value depends on what I do. This is an identity-level belief. So it's right down at the bottom of your unconscious. Affirmations have their place, right? But their place is, if you imagine the, the mind is a, an iceberg, right? In the top 10%, the conscious mind is above the water and the 90%, okay. the unconscious is underneath. Affirmations do what they say. They affirm what you already know, what's conscious. So if you've got, if you've got something that maybe you've just learned something or discovered something about yourself, affirmations are great for reminding yourself of what you already know, but our belief in, in our, that our worth is conditional, it depends on what we do, is unconscious. And so if you try and affirm, you know, like, I am good enough, I am good enough, right? There's, there's going to be this disconnect, right? It's called cognitive dissonance, where you actually don't believe, where you're trying to believe two things at the same time. And you, you're trying to basically try and talk yourself out of a deeply held unconscious belief. And that belief has got lots and lots of layers of other beliefs kind of locking it in and mean, meaning that you can't change it by just telling yourself you're good enough in the mirror. Are you looking for gifts that express how you feel? or a gift that makes somebody smile, 
Look no further than Expressions by Iris. Our Etsy store has something for everyone. From St. Patrick's Day to Mardi Gras, from teachers to nurses and theater families, there's something for everyone. And with our constantly growing selection, you can find the perfect item for any occasion. Show them how much you care with Expressions by Iris. Find us on Instagram and get the direct link in the show notes. So then with imposter syndrome, are they able to logically look at it and go, yes, I have the skills. Are they able to logically look at it and know that they are not an imposter or what's going on there? Um, it's, It's knowing it logically that you're not an imposter and feeling it that you are. So, so there are three types of symptoms for imposter syndrome. Okay. There's imposter syndrome thoughts, like I'm not good enough. I just got here by accident. I'm lucky they made a mistake when they hired me, you know, or, or that, that self-doubt, that self-criticism. So that's the thoughts. The thoughts, because they tapping in, they, they come from this belief, they trigger your nervous system. Your nervous system gets alarmed. It goes into fight and flight and freeze. And, you know, it gets aroused like that. And so you're stressed. And uh, so you have symptoms like you, you might feel overwhelm or anger or anxiety. You might have problems sleeping. You know, it's generally a highly high energy, high stress state. And then in order to try and cope with that and calm it all down, We have these automatic behaviors that we do, and that might be things like procrastinating, not speaking up enough, avoiding opportunities, deflecting praise, um, perfectionism, comparing, over-preparing, feeling like you don't have enough qualifications or just pushing through. So you've got these three sets of symptoms that they're not just three groups, they're actually a cycle. They all feed into one another. So you catch yourself procrastinating, you judge yourself and you feel bad and that you criticize yourself. And that feeds into all those imposter syndrome thoughts. See, I'm right. I'm really not good enough. And that creates the stress that drives the behaviors. So it's this cycle you get locked into. And so you can see it logically, but you, you can't just talk yourself out. What you have to do is break the cycle and you have to break the cycle by addressing all three symptoms all at the same time. I love how you've broken it down where you can see that each of those things are interrelated. Yeah. And I did see on your website a really cool graphic that you had where you had the nervous system, the behaviors and the thoughts all, and kind of some of the things that come apart from that. To me, this looks a little bit like you could begin to address it maybe using cognitive behavioral therapy, but I'm probably like way oversimplifying that. <laughs> so let's say that, like pick a situation and explain how somebody would begin to overcome imposter syndrome. Yeah, I think we'll just just tap on the, the, the cognitive behavioral therapy first, right? So um, therapists, when they've got all these great therapy tools, right? They're taking people from um, either mental illness or dysfunction, and their job is to bring them back to normal functioning, right? So they can cope and get on with the world. Imposter syndrome is in the classification of normal functioning. Okay. So it doesn't need therapy, right? It doesn't need, you know, it's not about trauma. It doesn't need therapy. But 
it's still not a very pleasant place to be. And so, right. you know, and it's stopping you from your peak functioning, your maximum potential. It's stopping you. It's getting in the way from that. So you can start at any point, but the very first point is you recognize, you recognize what's going on, right? And you say, okay, I've noticed I'm, whatever, procrastinating. Yeah. Okay. I'm procrastinating. So you can then make the conscious thing. Okay. I'm not going to beat myself up because I know what this is, right? This is, this is just a symptom. It's like when you have a cold and you have a blocked nose, the problem isn't your nose. The problem is you've got the cold, right? And so, so you can, you can, things can help a little bit, but addressing the cold, I mean, probably not a good, I think, good example. Because no, I think that's, a, I yeah. was smiling because I think that's a great analogy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you, you think, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll not judge myself, right? Well, there, there are things that you can do. There's actually a particular process that you can do to kind of calm down your judgment. That, that works very well. But then you also have to watch the link to the thoughts, right? So if I don't judge myself, then it's not going to set off those thoughts. And if I notice that I'm stressed, then I've got to actively get calm. So it's like you kind of have to go around, around the loop of all the symptoms. And with the thoughts, you kind of remind yourself, like, this is imposter syndrome. This is not who I am. Yeah. And then when you get to the, this, the, the physiological stress, then you calm down. So that's the process for managing it. And when you do that, when you go around that cycle, you can really get to feeling much calm. You can dial it down quite a lot, like the stress of it, the anxiety of it. But underneath it, it's still being driven by this belief. So the ultimate solution is to change the belief. And that's how you get rid of imposter syndrome by changing the, that root belief that my worth depends on what I do. So you've got two, two options. Very interesting. So then also I was doing some reading and you have tons of case studies where you show that you have been able to help people make more money in their careers by managing imposter syndrome, which logically makes sense to me. But can you explain a little bit about how that works? Yeah. So, so one, one example is when somebody has the imposter syndrome behavior of avoiding, this is op avoiding opportunities, avoiding, avoiding a promotion, avoiding a new role. So someone might get offered a, a, a promotion and they'll say, oh no, I know I couldn't possibly, or one comes up and they don't apply for it. So if you look at somebody who reached a senior executive level, for example, over the course of 20, 30 years over the course of their career. If they have just a short delay, just a couple of years delay in each promotion, then their eventual position might take them another 10 years to get to, right? So it's, it's, it's delayed. So there's all the earnings that they could have had if they'd stepped into a promotion of thing they could absolutely do. Right. So it's not, we're not talking about somebody who's not suited for a promotion. They, they, they can do it. They're competent. They're capable, but they don't get it. And so that can add up and that can add up over the course of a career into well over a million dollars. Wow. Yeah. And so then I also remember reading a statistic once. We talked about how men are more likely to apply for jobs that they technically aren't even qualified for, where women will look at the list of qualifications and if they're missing, you know, one or two little things you're like, oh, no, no, I can't apply for that. Is that related to imposter syndrome or is that something else? 
That's a little bit more of a cultural issue than imposter syndrome. Okay. Um, the imposter, so imposter syndrome affects 70% of high achievers, right? A lot, seven out of 10, it's a lot. Um, but that's men and women equally. So there's a myth going <laughs> circulating that it's, that it affects women more than men. And when the research is done, where the, the survey that they make is absolutely and completely confidential, then the numbers come out exactly equal. Men and women get to the same degree. And, and uh, the surveys that say it's women more than men, it's capturing the cultural, again, where men are really not allowed or don't allow themselves to express things that they perceive that might be a failure, that might be a weakness. And so women are more able and more allowed culturally to, to say things like that. And that's why it appears to be a, oh, a women's issue and it's absolutely not. And if we go back to the root cause of it, when you're a baby and you've, you don't learn the separation between your worth and your actions, then you can see that's got nothing to do with gender. So that just, you know, it back, backs up the research that it's men and women equally. We work in my marketing business with a lot of people that work with athletes on just mental toughness. And then even a dietitian who works with athletes who have eating disorders. And it seems like so much of both of these things always come down to that inability to separate who you are from what you do. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it, it might not show up specifically as imposter syndrome, but it might show up, say, in, in terms of yeah. these food choices, for example, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, this is why it's, although imposter syndrome shows up in about 70% of people, that belief that we were talking about, that shows up in like the vast majority, 99.9999% of people. How does a person decide if their imposter syndrome is holding them back and where do they go from there? Right. Well, first, it's, it's good to see, to, to check how significant an impact it's having. I do have a quiz. So it's a free quiz. People take, take the quiz and then you'll get a score and you'll see where you are in the imposter syndrome scoring. So, you know, you first have to know that it's, some people feel self-doubt when they're not sure where to move next in their career, right? So actually what they need there is a, a career counselor, right? Rather than imposter syndrome, but they, they need to differentiate what it is. Um, some people might have some traumas and they actually do need to go and see a therapist and that's not imposter syndrome. So you have to, first of all, find out, you know, is this actually imposter syndrome? And then from there, the, I've got a, a course, right? It's an online course people can take to address the symptoms, break that cycle we were talking about, or I've got a one-to-one -one program where we actually get rid of the belief that underlies it. And then all of those symptoms melt away. So that sounds awesome. And we will put the link to the quiz in the show notes. Do you have any final thoughts to share with people before we end? Yeah. Um, so I've got, I've got three statements that might help. And then, and, and then also a tip, if that's okay, if we've got to. Yes, remember. absolutely. Yeah. So imposter syndrome you're not alone because it feels like you're alone. It feels like you're the only one feeling this way because people keep it a secret, but you're not alone. 
it's not you, right? This is not your personality. It's not a weakness. It's not a flaw. And you can do something about it. So it's not something that you're stuck with forever. So the tip I wanted to share, because it's such a good one, our brains are wired to look for differences around us because it's checking out to make sure our environment is safe. And so it's always looking for differences, what's changed, because that's going to let us know, you know, what we need to look out for. So we're kind of wired to compare to each other. And imposter syndrome comparison is one of the, the, the big ones. So you can't stop yourself comparing because your brain's still going to check the environment is safe. So what you can do instead, when you notice that you're comparing, then you can, instead of looking for differences between you and other people, start looking for similarities. How am I the same as them? What have we in common? And the more things you look for that are similar, that relaxes your brain. You start to feel like you belong. And, and the, it takes that whole stress level down. I can also see, though, thinking just like as a coping strategy that would not be the best coping strategy. Now that you've said that, you're comparing yourself. And another way to avoid comparing yourself would be to remove yourself from that situation and put yourself, surround yourself with people who make you feel good about yourself, but maybe aren't achieving at such a high level. Yeah. So imposter syndrome can get triggered by a combination of high challenge and low support. So if you take away the challenge by not operating at such a high level, then you, you can damp it down. But you're right, it's coping mechanism because what you're doing there is you're effectively playing it small okay. and you have the capacities for so much more and you'll start to get frustrated. So better if you can increase the support that you have to meet the challenge. So the more the support you get, the, the more comfortable it's going to be for you. And then you can work on breaking, breaking that loop of the thoughts and the body stress and the behaviors. I just think that that is so huge because I could see where that would be just a natural inclination for people. Let's take myself out of that situation. Well, be the big fish in the small pond instead of playing with the sharks and <laughs> rising to their level and I might have that wrong because but you know just thinking about how you well, think, think when you're comparing yourself to others yes there's definitely things that you can do that help imposter syndrome dial it down make you feel more comfortable and probably the the only thing that you need to do is to be doing something about it right don't don't ignore it because it can lead to exhaustion it can lead to people burning out and, and quitting a career. They think it's them, right? They think, I can't cope in this environment. Well, actually, they're very good in that environment. They're just having this stress dial turned way up because of imposter syndrome. If they turn it down, then they'll be able to cope beautifully. And so I think that that is a big reason just right there about why you need to be aware of what those symptoms are. Yes. <laughs> so that you're not taking yourself out. And like you were talking about earlier, not ruining, but hurting your earning potential. Because if you take yourself out of that, because yeah. you're afraid, you're affecting your earning potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, you also get, after a lifetime of doing that, you get, you start to get regret. And nobody wants to feel regret about their life. You want to feel wow. like, wow, that was, that was a race well run. That, that was the fun. That was an adventure. That's how you want to feel about your life. And I think that that is the perfect note to end this on. 
very inspiring, showed us what we need to know about it, imposter syndrome and how we can overcome it and why it's important to us. So thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, absolute pleasure. This was great. Thanks, Kim. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for season four of Power Up Your Performance. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, and follow. Dream big and get out there and explore.